The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Bart Walker. Well, good morning to you. Welcome in. And if you'd like to join us this morning, if you have a question or a comment, you can talk or you can text whichever you prefer. All of those at 615-893-1450. 615-893-1450. We're going to be talking this morning about the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Department. With us this morning, Assistant Chief Brian Lowe. Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Good to have you with us. You brought a friend with you, Adam Brown. Adam, good morning to you. Good morning, sir. Good to have both of you with us. Adam, you just have returned from the fire department's helping people over in East Tennessee in Sevier County. How was it up there? Um, it, it was. It was. It was a good trip. We were able to. Uh, we were able to provide a lot of help. Uh, we stayed busy the entire time that we were down there, and uh, it was quite humbling to see such a response and and such a such a large fire uh, that was going on. So, all in all, the trip was was very well worth the time, and it was very beneficial. Uh, and we were glad that we could get down there and help some folks. Now, a few years earlier, the Gatlinburg area, Sevier County, uh, they had a, a horrific fire that destroyed so many acres and uh, structures and killed several people. Was this close to that? What what kept this one from be, being a, another one like that? Um, location played a big a big part in it. In it. Um, the, the fire actually started a little further away from, from the downtown areas of, of Pigeon Forge and, and Gatlinburg. Um, also, uh, they had learned some lessons from last time. They understood um, what they needed to do and how they needed to approach the fire and the things that they needed to do to, to prevent that fire from getting close to those downtown areas. Um, one of one of our biggest one of our biggest assignments while we were down there was truly just to make sure that this fire didn't didn't jump a, a fire line um, because that is when it was going to get close to those downtown areas. So tell us what you did that was different. Was there anything different from what you would have done? in Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. Was it a different kind of fire? Oh my goodness, uh, we would we would never see a fire like that in Murfreesboro. Um, the last number that I heard um, that that fire was nearing 3,500 acres. Um, and that, that's a massive, massive fire. The city of Murfreesboro just doesn't have wild land area like that. Uh, so truly it was unlike any fire that we've ever seen before, especially on the wildland side of things. Um, that fire was moving faster than any ground cover fire we would see here in Murfreesboro. Uh, there was a whole lot more uh, fuel to be burned than what we would see here in Murfreesboro. So yes, comparing that to here, uh, terrain is different. It, it is a completely different ball game. So when you see something like that, we, we don't think about the weather, the dryness, uh, I mean, we may be dry here, but we don't think that it's that dry because we see a lot of rain or anything. But uh, we also heard burn permits were not being offered in Murfreesboro at this time, so I guess it is dry. That, that is that is true, yes. Our community risk reduction, uh, the fire marshal's office, they, they keep a close eye on that because uh, outside fires can, can start some hostile fire events that can cause us some problems. So uh, as the wind speeds pick up, as the vegetation starts to dry out, as the humidity 
um, decreases. Those are all indicators of when we have the potential for uh, out of control fires on and in, in the outside. And, and our fire marshal's office will will cut those burning permits off. Yes, sir. So, what did you learn? Not only did you help people, but you learned, I'm sure, up there, some things that you've been able to bring home to make it safer for us here. Absolutely. Um, again, a fire, a fire that size and that magnitude will change your outlook on, on, on that type of fire event. Uh, so we understand now after seeing what happened down there, um, we understand the importance of natural fire barriers. Um, how can we protect our homes? How we can we protect our pets? How can we protect our, uh, our valuables? Is that we need to main, make sure that we maintain a, a, a good um, barrier between the vegetation that can burn and the vegetation that can't. So we're talking about leaves down in the fall, get them blown away from the house. Uh, dry mulch, try to keep that away from the house if at all possible. So making that barrier is the number one, the number one thing that we can do to help protect ourselves from, from that type of fire here in Murfreesboro. Uh, additionally, is when those um, when those smoke or I'm sorry, those burning permits get cut off. That is for a very very important reason. It's not just that we don't want you to burn. It's because the conditions don't warrant that to be done safely. Um, so use 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 some common sense. If the wind's blowing, if you're too close to a building, um, we need to probably make up a different plan for burning, and that would definitely keep us out of a situation where we had an out of control hostile fire event. Tell us about some of the comments the people who lived there. Did they welcome you in? Did you see, did you have contact with those people? We, we did. Um, we, we were actually assigned both days that we were there. We were in the Wares Valley community. Uh, we were physically on Wares Valley Road. Um, and there was not a whole lot of public for us to interact with. However, uh, we did have to go back to town to do our resting, to get our, our, our food and that kind of stuff. And we were, we were accepted with open arms. Uh, in fact, every, every restaurant that we went to, people stood up and clapped for us when we walked in the building. So it was, it was very humbling to see how much we were appreciated and how much people um, wanted us to be there and, 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 and appreciated our help. Do you recall how many firefighters you had from Rutherford County? Uh, from Rutherford County, I'm not sure. Rutherford County sent uh, some folks. I don't know how many they had there. Uh, Laverne also sent some folks. Uh, the city of Murfreesboro, we sent eight people. We sent two full crews. That's a, a crew of four on two fire apparatus, and that's what the city of Murfreesboro sent, sent up to East Tennessee. Now, I've noticed that mostly pumpers went to East Tennessee. Uh, was that the, they didn't have fire plugs and things that fired hydrants? In, in, in the mountains, no, there's not, there's not many fire plugs at all. Uh, and with that being said, pumpers were one of the most needed resources. However, uh, tanker trucks, tender trucks that carry large amounts of water were another valuable resource that were there because they can haul more water than even an engine. Um, outside of those two resources, brush trucks um, or small pickup trucks type things that have a slide-in pump that you can get into remote areas uh, was another absolute necessity up there. So once we got there, um, we got assigned to a task force, and a task force is basically just a group of fire apparatus and fire uh, firefighting personnel that work together as a team. Um, our task force consisted of uh, two engines, two tankers, and a brush truck. So that group of people was able to that group of people was able to um, um, complete a function per se. We had the brush trucks that could get in the remote areas. We had the the pumpers that could get in if we had a substantial uh, built upon structure fire or something like that. We could get that that firefight started, and then we had the tenders that are carrying between 1,800 and 3,000 gallons of water compared to 1,000 gallons on an engine that were there to support that firefighting op operation with, with water. 
Now, we sometimes watch on television and see helicopters coming in with huge amounts of water. Did they do this there? And if so, where did they get the water? They, they did do that. Um, I, I will be honest, I never saw them do a water dump in the area that we were in. Uh, I think they were doing those in some areas that were heavily populated with buildings and people. Um, I did see those helicopters flying over, um, and I do not know where they were getting their water. I did see a helicopter at one point in time while we were traveling down the road drop down super low in a subdivision, and I am supposing probably got some water out of a swimming pool or something like that. Okay, so they got water wherever they can find it. Wherever they can find it, yes, sir. Were there many structures damaged? Yes, there was a number of structures damaged. Again, I can't give you an official number, um, but kind of what I've been hearing since we returned home is somewhere in the vicinity of 300 structures, at least damaged, if not destroyed. That's a lot. That is a lot. A whole lot. Now, is this fire still going on? Uh, The fire is probably still burning in some areas. Um, The last I heard it was 98 to 99% contained. So even though there is probably still fire inside that burning area, it is very much under control and very much contained to where it's not uh, a hostile event anymore. So we don't hear about these things happening, but they will continue to plague the area for what, weeks to come afterwards? Um, I, the, the fires may not burn that long, but yes, the devastation and the damage that was caused by those will will definitely create a time span where um, the, they're, they're going to be dealing with this for quite some time. Okay, so it's, it's safe to say that not only Wares Valley in East Tennessee is still impacted, but uh, those fires that we heard so much about in the news in Colorado, uh, which were even more massive, those people are still suffering. We don't think about it, but they're still suffering out there as well now. Absolutely, sir. And that was Christmas time, I yes, think. Yes, sir. So uh, we don't stop and think how long uh, the problems persist. That's right. Uh, thankfully, we don't have, I, I don't guess we have, from what you've said, we don't have that potential of having that type of fire Well, I don't want to say that we're not going to have an outside fire or even a fire that somebody would say is considered wildland, Uh, but we don't have, we we won't have a fire to that magnitude Um, just because we don't have the mountains and the hills and that wide open vast area. um, We we run calls of that type on a consistent basis here inside the city of Murphy, but they're generally small and contained uh, and our local fire department resources are able to handle them. Very good. Well, we do thank you for sharing with us. And if anybody has uh, any questions dealing with the fires in East Tennessee, uh, give us a shout, text us, or call us, 615-893-1450. We'll be uh, asking those questions this morning. Uh, Also, we're going to be covering some other fire questions here on WGNS. With us, uh, in addition, is Chief Brian Lowe. Uh, Brian, good morning to you. Good morning, Bart. Tell us a little about some of the other firefighting efforts Murfreesboro is doing. Uh, I know you're constantly working on not only fires, but answering emergency calls. Uh, that's correct. Uh, now, I'm the assistant chief, just um, for the listeners out there, I'm the assistant chief over the training division. First off, I want to thank Captain Brown. I'm, if you listen to him, you understand what, what an asset he is to the city of Murfreesboro. We like to loan him out, but we love to get him back. So, um, but... Uh, no, so here recently I contacted the fire marshal's office before our uh, trip over here, and here recently I think we've had a, uh, according to them, we've had a spike in uh, fires that uh, involve smoking and using uh, 
medical grade oxygen or O2 in the home. And that was something they wanted me to speak about this morning to, uh, to, to remind folks to, it's not safe to smoke in a structure where medical grade oxygen is being used. Um, it, uh, cigarettes or anything like that, uh, lighters burn more vigorously in the presence of that elevated O2. Uh, hair and clothing, uh, light combustibles are readily ignitable. Uh, so uh, they just wanted me to uh, impress on to your listening audience that, you know, stay safe, uh, smoke outside whenever there's oxygen in use. Do you think people always are aware that they have those elements that are working uh, potentially dangerous, the oxygen and smoking? Or do they even think about it? Uh, you know, it, it's hard to say. I think complacency comes in. Uh, maybe if they do it one time, I think it's safe to do it again. But uh, but eventually, uh, you know, odds will catch up to them uh, to where uh, if they let their guard down, something something's nearby that, that will always uh, ignite and cause a problem. So what do people need to be thinking about to reduce that risk? What do they need to be always alert on? So, uh, I mean, regarding uh, O2 use, just if there's O2 use in a building, uh, don't smoke inside the building. Uh, limit, uh, limit the use of uh, anything with the flame, candles, all that. Just, just don't use it. Uh, if there's someone nearby that uses uh, uh, tobacco products, ask them to uh, step outside and smoke outside. So. So if you have this, are you always using oxygen tanks or are there sometimes uh, permanent uh, oxygen uh, coming into a facility or can you get oxygen uh, through pipes coming into your area? Well, I think there are there. There's going to be uh, people that are on home O2, whether that be temporary or uh, due to a permanent uh, condition, more chronic condition. Uh, and then you're going to have actual facilities like hospitals and clinics that that have O2 that is plumbed in. Uh, that you know we got to be aware of, and that's why. And those facilities are well marked with the signage. That, you know, stay outside, and they they may actually have a smoking uh, post or areas away from the building, or, or you know, just a place where you can go to uh, safely do that. So, is this uh, very explosive? This uh, oxygen, the medical oxygen. I, I wouldn't say explosive, but it makes uh, other combustibles uh, burn easier, light easier, uh, more ignitable. Um, there's uh, a lot of good examples uh, out there. If you, you can search, anybody can search with the access to a computer or smartphone can search, uh, you know, what, how easily combustibles will burn in the presence of medical grade oxygen. So. Okay. So these are things that we didn't think about in years past. Is this a, a relatively new uh, danger that people need to be aware of? No, it's. I wouldn't say it's new, but it is something that we constantly have to remind ourselves about and remind the community about uh, that, uh, you know, it's always a, uh, you know, a danger that's that's lurking there that we got to be aware of to to be safe just like fire safety we're constantly uh putting those that advice out there to, to the community to uh try to get our numbers down we uh we had 343 fires last year and you know it, i would be tickled to death next year if if we could cut that number in half uh, and so that's why we have our community risk reduction division uh that's why we're always putting that information out there to try to remind people of how to be a fire safe community now, one of the things that uh, Chief Fawkes has talked about before is how quickly fires are these days uh, with the materials that are in furniture, in upholstery, uh, in curtains, things of that sort. Fires spread a whole lot more quickly and are more dangerous 
with the chemicals that are in those items. Did, uh, out of curiosity, when you were uh, in uh, the area of, uh, up in East Tennessee, uh, uh, Chief Brown, uh, did, did you notice fires? Were they going a whole lot more quickly back then? Uh, as, were the fires igniting in the structures and were they, were they flaming up and, and burning more quickly than usual? Uh, again, naturally, I, I didn't. I didn't physically see that happening. Uh, we we were we were not where the buildings were on fire, and uh, that fire had already been burning for two days by the time that we got there. So again, our primary goal in severe or in, in East Tennessee was to make sure that that fire wasn't jumping fire lines. Um, <clears throat> naturally, uh, yes, those those buildings are going to 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 burn a little easier, a little quicker. Um, you know, comparing the contents of a home today to the contents of a home in 1950, um, they're just made out of different stuff. Everything today is man-made. It's made out of synthetics. It's made out of hydrocarbons uh, versus the 1950s, 60s, and maybe even the 70s where our inside um, contents were built out of natural things like uh, wool and cotton and things of that nature. So um, really what that stuff is made of <clears throat> is ultimately what has changed the face of fire as far as development is concerned over the last several years. Um, when I came into the fire service in 2001, 2002, I was being taught that fire doubles in size every, every minute. Um, in today's world with synthetics, we're looking at a fire quadrupling in size every 60 seconds. So again, the contents of those homes are ultimately what is, is creating the difference in that fire development, um, not necessarily the building construction of the, of the building. So we're not just trying to get out of a fire uh, and call the uh, emergency facilities to come and help us, uh, but we're, we're, we're having to get out immediately and then call the emergency people. Don't call them while you're still in the structure then. Absolutely, that's right. Um, and, and again, for years and years, the Murfreesboro Fire Department has, has urged people to have smoke alarms in their home. Um, we still offer a free service in conjunction with the, the State Bar Marshal's Office um, where we will install smoke alarms for free in, in any residential uh, building inside the city of Murfreesboro. Uh, all you have to do is call us and we'll send a fire engine with some firemen over there and we'll take care of that uh, because that is, that is a major step towards security and safety when we're talking about how fires develop today. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. We're going to pause for just a moment, check on the traffic and weather. We'll be right back. Stay with us. We got some good neighbors and we like bragging on them. Nominate a good neighbor every day. Put it in writing on WGNS. WGNS. AM, AM, FM, FM, online. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family, Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. If you're a pet lover, come see us at Animal City. We have 8,000 square feet of pet products and pets for you to enjoy. Here at Animal City, we carry a full line of pet products to help your pets stay healthy, happy, and well. Animal City is Murfreesboro's longest running and only family operated pet store. Come see us at Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Family Restaurants. Did you know that Demas's now can cater events? We can ship most of our pastas and we can deliver it to your door. If you're interested in our catering, you can go to demasesrestaurants.com and click on the menus on catering to see what options we have available for your next event. Demas's Family Restaurants, 
go to demasesrestaurants.com. Demas's Family Restaurants on 1115 Northwest Broad Street. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon with a high in the low 60s. Northwest winds at 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 45. Good morning. Still a lot of traffic volume. 24 trying to get up through the Hickory Hollow area. Still running a little bit slow over in Williamson County as they clean up an earlier wreck on 840 westbound, just shy of I-65. At one point, it had traffic crawling along down through there. Hopefully, it'll start to improve. Hey, Princess Hot Chicken now available for catering. Check them out at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. And looks like that accident over on South Church at Joby Jackson has been cleared up also. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We're your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on Broad Street. Online at tireworld.us. All that's news with Matt Lane. Weekday afternoon. WGNS, your good neighbor station. Rutherford County's place to talk. Welcome back. We are talking about the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Department. So much happening with them. So much has changed over the years. The job of firefighting has certainly changed. Visiting with us this morning, just back from Sevier County, Murfreesboro Fire Department's Adam Brown, along with Assistant Chief Brian Lowe. They're both here this morning. And uh, our phone number, if you want to join us in conversation, 615-893-1450. And let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're on WGNS. How are you today? Just fine, Bart. How are you this morning? Doing great. Thank you for calling. I just want to say, (coughs) excuse me, I live at Walter Hill, and my family and I were in Ware's Valley when this happened this past weekend. Tell us uh, what you saw then. Well, it was a very scary situation. Um, The the wind was what was so terrible. Um, The children wanted to go to that, uh, I don't know what you call it, amusement park. I guess it's up on top of the mountain that you have to ride the lifts to get up there. And that was closed because they said the wind was about 90 miles an hour on top of that mountain. Wow. So needless to say, we couldn't go. But. We, we were, my, my granddaughter and both of my granddaughters went, went back down the mountain and stopped at a house down there that looked like somebody lived there permanently, which they did, and he advised us to get out. So we packed up that night and left. Uh, we went in more into town to see about getting a room. No room was available. We stopped and got the children something to eat. And while we were sitting in the parking lot, um, my my daughter noticed fire that was under a truck sitting there. And this happened, I've seen it happen in Murfreesboro. People who smoke do not care. Somebody had gotten out of a truck and threw a cigarette in the mulch. And, of course, it caught fire and it was burning under his truck. She went running into the restaurant and told him, that there was a fire out there under somebody's truck, and, of course, he came out, you know, and moved it. But, mm-hmm. but um, 
every road we went down to try to get out was, of course, closed, blocked off, and we had to turn around and go a different way. So we finally got to a motel, and they said, we don't have any rooms, but I'll call so-and-so. Well, we finally got two rooms in Knoxville, and um, the next morning, they, you know, normally the hotels have uh, just a small uh, breakfast that you can eat that's included in your price. Well, this one was not. It was a high-priced breakfast. And my sister told the lady there about what had happened to us, and, you know, she came and offered free breakfast to eight of us. Wow. So that, that was great. People are helping each other uh, every day. Uh, yes, but like there this. were a lot of houses and buildings burned and acres, and it was it was very scary, very scary. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. All right, you're welcome. Have a good day. I'm glad but you got home thing, safely. Thank you. My thing, yeah, my thing here is quit throwing the cigarettes out. I live on the side of a, a, a main road through a subdivision, and my edge of my yard is loaded with cigarette butts. When it gets dry here, all it takes is one spark, and then it's, my house is gone. Yeah, I don't want that to happen. Very no. definitely. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Yeah, do not throw your cigarette butts out. Uh, in fact, you'd be doing yourself a favor probably if you quit. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> but, you know, it's amazing no matter what health story we talk about, whether it's heart disease, cancer, any of these items, uh, one of the things they talk about is stop smoking. Uh, you wonder, uh, there must be a common thread there. Why, why, aren't, why aren't you hearing that? Uh, well, as she described that fire, uh, Adam Brown, tell us uh, that that probably you you saw that happening, high winds all over the place. Why why does the fire create? Does it create the high winds? Well, th th there was there were some high winds in the area, um, just because of the normal weather patterns, um, and and that is ultimately one of the leading things that led to the spread of that fire. Um, they were they were um, they were they were looking at winds in, in excess of 70 or 80 miles an hour gust um, for an extended period of time there. Um, now, to answer your own question, yes, when a fire, a wildland fire, gets to that magnitude, uh, it will basically build its own weather pattern. Um, it will it will build its own wind currents, um, and, and it kind of does its own thing. So while, while, the, while the, the, the actual weather in the local area there in East Tennessee um, supported that fire spreading. Once that fire got to a certain level, by all means, it was it was kind of doing its own thing and creating its own wind, and 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 that's just the way that it works. You know, I was sort of surprised. Uh, she she alluded to this, uh, but she was there at a place in Wares Valley, and people had advised her to to move on out, but they had made, I thought, a a, a mandatory evacuation for the residents there, but everything else seems to have gone on almost as normal. Well, uh, everything was, the amusement locations were all open, and that would certainly not uh, encourage people to leave. Right, and, and, and again, this fire started in the mountains, not, not down inside the city. However, 
based off of experience as to what happened in Gatlinburg several years before, uh, they knew that that was a possibility. So those 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 evacuation zones were definitely in play. They were very well marked. Uh, law enforcement was enforcing them. They would not let people in and out. But what we have to remember is that there is a time gap between the onset of an emergency event and when things like that happen. Um, the first the first period of time, and I don't know how, how big of a period of time it would be, but the first period of time was probably the most critical moments of that, of that fire. Um, it was not in check. There was nobody there to do anything about it. Uh, the fire was moving extremely, extremely fast, and everything was occupied. Um, so between when that, um, uh, that initial 911 call or 911 was notified for this fire to it got to the point where it was a well-developed wildland burning fire, um, it took some time to get these evacuation zones in play. The evacuation zones at the end of the day saved lives. There's no question about that. The, the point, the moral is though, that it takes time to do that. So it sounds like this young lady was there, um, from the fire's inception probably. And she got to see a lot of things that most people don't understand happen. And she took some good advice from, I guess, a resident there who said, if I were you, I think I'd leave. Absolutely. Now, how long did it take? Do you have any information on when the fire began and how long did it take for it to grow to the, the dangerous stage? I, I, don't, I don't know from beginning to end. I know that we got there Thursday afternoon at about 5 p.m., 4 p.m. Um, at that point, they were saying that that fire was 20... Five twenty-five hundred acres burning currently, uh, but it was only forty-five percent contained. Um, so operations continued the rest of that night into the rest of the day, and by the end of our second day, they were saying that it was up to about three thousand between three thousand thirty-five hundred acres, but they were eighty-five percent containment. So the things that they were doing was working; it was just taking time to get it done. Did they ever determine what started the fire, or, or would there be? A, could it could it have started naturally? It, it could have started naturally. Uh, I have not even heard any speculation as to what the cause and the origin of that fire was. Uh, I do know that while we were down there, there was a group of people, uh, both fire officials and law enforcement officials, uh, that were tasked specifically with trying to determine the point of origin and what caused the fire. But again, I have not, I've not heard anything. Is science able to pretty well pinpoint things like that these days? I, I can't speak to it. Uh, very, very extensively because I've never been involved in the investigation phase of a fire like that. Uh, so I don't know what kind of tactics they use to try to pinpoint a wildland fire. Uh, but from what I understand, talking to some of the locals and some of the people that uh, that live permanently in that area, that they, they feel like they should have no problem figuring out exactly what happened. Chief Lowe, tell us a, a little about, you, you mentioned that so many of the things that we have in today's homes and today's homes themselves uh, burn quickly. What if we're building a house, if we're looking at a house to purchase ourselves or to live in, uh, are there things that we can look for that we know would make them safer? Is there a certain type of construction or uh, material that can be used? Well, um, Honestly, I, I think, you know, uh, builders these days, they're, they're adhering to the current building codes, the current electrical code. I, th I feel like uh, the codes have improved here in, uh, yeah, in the state of Tennessee in the last 30 years. So our builders are, uh, are actually building houses safer and tighter than uh, maybe what they were uh, building 50, 60 years ago. And, uh, you know, uh, the, 
that just uh, for instance the drywall that they they cover the uh, the the wood of the house with or the structure of that house you know that provides a fire barrier and then uh, uh, just through the years and you speak to the science of how fires move through a house they've identified areas where uh, that drywall has to be doubled up and have a greater fire resistance say from the garage to the inside of the house so ha actually newer construction um, uh, may be more uh, fire uh, retardant initially uh, uh, or, or fire preventative but once uh, uh, but what we've seen in the fire service is once uh, you know and, it's, and honestly that's designed to get people out of the house right to keep them safe uh, once that fire gets into the structure of that house that's where we see um, fires grow faster because of the lamination of the wood and the type of uh, wood that they they use now to uh, uh, for the the superstructure of that house and I think what in the fire service what we call those uh, the the wood used uh, mid uh, 20th century would be legacy fuels and uh, that's what they built the uh, you know the furniture out of the thicker woods and the cottons and the wools like Captain Brown was saying we call those legacy fuels and and uh, they just they may have uh, been slow to ignite but burn longer held up longer uh, where houses uh, today they may some of that structure may fail quicker under uh, under a flame so so if you mentioned tightness of a house uh, we think of tightness being uh, winds are not coming in through windows and stuff like that so if you put in new windows say in your home and you notice that you're not feeling the cold air coming in or you notice you're not hearing what's going on outside it's more right. soundproof that's a good sign yeah. energy efficient uh, right yeah so as you, if, if you're noticing those things you're also maybe not thinking about it but that's a sign that your home is safer Correct. Fire. Correct. Okay, so yeah. those are things to be thinking about. Uh, are there structures that are built today that are uh, built out of some kind of material that people can say those are fireproof uh, structures? Uh, well, I don't think you can say uh, fireproof. Uh, honestly, as a firefighter, I don't like to say anything's fireproof, but. Um, uh, you know, there. Uh, when you start talking that, you, you, we start thinking more commercial buildings where uh, it's uh, masonry construction, um, and the materials in that building are non-combustible and they're protected by a sprinkler system. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, fire fire protection features in place uh, that if a fire happens to ignite or ignite some contents of that building, uh, it, it doesn't make it very far before it's either extinguished or held in check until the fire department can get there and uh, put it out. Now, we've talked a lot about in disease, the word cigarette comes up a lot. Whenever we talk about firefighting, the word sprinkler seems to come up a lot. Uh, and, and there was a period of time that we were talking about sprinklers in homes. Uh, price sort of slowed that conversation down. Do you think that that will come up again? Are sprinklers that beneficial? Well, uh, yes. As a, uh, you know, I would say fire sprinklers, they, they save lives. Uh, I haven't looked at the research on that in a while, but uh, the last time I had I actually had time to research sprinklers, uh, I don't think that in the U.S. we'd ever lost a life in a building that was sprinkled. Uh, and that's that's really important now as far as residential. Uh, it's a little bit uh, different. I think they're designed uh, to get people out of the homes, okay? I don't think they may not be designed to uh, just 
put the fire out. They're designed to get people out of the home and keep them safe. Um, where more in a commercial setting, those fire sprinklers are designed to one, help put that fire out. And I think a big misconception about sprinklers is the um, is the water damage, where usually just a sprinkler head in the uh, that's near a fire is the only one that uh, activates. And uh, I think Hollywood has sensationalized that. Whenever they see sprinklers go off, it would it would look like every sprinkler in the building is going off to where everything is damaged by water, and that's just not the case. Now. Are sprinklers that expensive? If you put them in a home, uh, are we looking at a, a price that would just uh, make that building uh, unable to be sold? Well, um, Bart, now I haven't researched this in a while. A few years ago, I think, if, uh, if you were wanting to retrofit your home with a sprinkler system, I think it was maybe 2 to 250 a square foot uh, and then that price was maybe cut in half if your home was being built and you add them, added them before all of the uh, veneer or, or drywall was put into your house. But uh, I don't think that uh, that would make a home, you know, not just the cost would be so high to where you couldn't purchase it. Um, I, I think that it would be very cost uh, productive or efficient for your home. So. And when you add to that the possibility that it's going to save the life of somebody that you love. I mean, that's what kind of value. That's you can priceless, put. right? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Can't put a price on that. Our phone number is 615-893-1450. Our final break for this particular program is coming up. So if you have a question, 615-893-1450. And remember, you can text that question to us as well. Same number, 615-893-1450. And this is a topic that could make a difference in your life or in the life of a loved one. We're News Radio WGNS 100.5, 101.9, Online and on your phone at WGNSradio.com. Hi, this is Tina Fox at the Rutherford Farmers Co-op. Come see us for all your spring gardening needs. We have everything you need for your garden, your lawn. We have clothing, some of the greatest gift ideas. We also have baby chicks. So please come see us for everything you need for your farm and home needs. The Co-op Farm and Home Center. Is- if you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon with a high in the low 60s. Northwest winds at 5 to 15 miles per hour, gusting as high as 25. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 45. Good morning. Still a lot of traffic volume. 24 trying to get up through the Hickory Hollow area. Still running a little bit slow over in Williamson County as they clean up an earlier wreck on 840 westbound, just shy of I-65. At one point, it had traffic crawling along down through there. Hopefully, it'll start to improve. Hey, Princess Hot Chicken now available for catering. Check them out at princesshotchicken.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. We've got your local sports fix. We change the five. It's all sports talk with Monty Hill Jr. and Tim Tackett here on WGNS. Welcome back. 
Our phone number is 615-893-1450. From the Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue Department, Assistant Chief Brian Lowe is with us, along with Adam Brown, who just returned from East Tennessee. You know, we here in the news, we're at the end of the pandemic. Hope we're at the end of the pandemic, but uh, that certainly has uh, put a crimp into a lot of businesses having a hard time especially in the restaurant business, finding people to hire. Uh, has that reached over and touched the fire department as well? It has, Bart. The fire service, uh, it's affected us as well. Um, uh, we, I think, uh, when I first uh, took the uh, office of assistant chief, we uh, had posted uh, to uh, renew our recruit list, and we had 300 applications. And I think this last, uh, this last go around here, we had about 150 applications. Uh, and ended up interviewing around 75, I want to say. So, so what uh, what type of positions are available? Well, um, we have positions that come up throughout the year, either through retirement or voluntary leave. Uh, but Murfreesboro Fire, we hire uh, two grades, uh, certified fire uh, and recruit. Now, certified fire is a little easier if you can think about that. Uh, uh, if um, those who are interested in that would, could go to our website, they could see uh, see it in writing there of what the certifications and all that we require. Uh, but certified fire, we, we ask that uh, the applicants uh, have a basic recruit class of at least 310 hours, uh, firefighter one cert, and then a current medical licensure. Uh, and a lot of those applicants uh, may be from out of state, and we ask one, they have a current medical licensure in that state, but it also be um, nationally recognized their licensure uh, to where it would receive reciprocity in Tennessee. And so when those applications come in, I vet them and go through them and make sure that uh, uh, the Tennessee Fire Commission and the Department of Health uh, would, would give them credit for their certifications. Um, now, we also hire uh, recruit uh, or trainee, uh, as we call it. Uh, and to apply for recruit or either firefighter, um, you have to be 18 years old, have a high school diploma or GED, a, driving, a driver's license, and a clean record. And we, uh, Murfreesboro Fire, obviously, you know, we have the Doug Young Public Safety Training Facility. Uh, we have our own uh, recruit program here. Uh, we have an in-house EMT program. We can train um, someone up from really nothing to... Uh, where we need them to be uh, to meet that job description. So. so are you better off if they don't have previous training? Uh, you don't have to reteach them and make them forget the, the bad way to do things? No, I, w I won't say that. You know, uh, f uh, fire departments, uh, you know, I think we all, obviously we all have this our, the same purpose within a municipal system. Uh, just, But I think when you've won worked for one fire department, you've worked for one fire department. Obviously we would bring them on and, and uh, run them through an orientation um, and then uh, uh, it takes time to build up that institutional knowledge or organizational knowledge anyway, even if you've uh, worked. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a product of that. I started out in Hendersonville Fire in the mid-90s and uh, moved here and um, uh, with five years' experience and, um, and got into the program here and just, and, um, and just worked my way up. So it, was, uh, um, it, it can be done. What are some of the benefits of working for Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue that uh, you think are ones that would really be appealing to a person looking for a position? 
Well, uh, one, uh, it goes to the growth of the city. Uh, we're one of the fastest growing cities in the South. I think last year we were uh, what ranked as the number one boom town. And, and, and that goes along, uh, that, you know, that transfers over to public safety. We have to maintain uh, a, a level of readiness, a, le- a number of stations within the city. Uh, and that creates positions uh, for uh, fire as we build fire stations, um, add trucks. Um, and, and when we add positions, obviously that adds need for supervisors. So there's there's room to move up uh, at the city of Murfreesboro. So. There are not many ISO one rated fire departments in the whole nation. The fact that Murfreesboro is ISO rated number one does that serve as an advantage to new firefighters? Well, uh, now you're getting me over in chief folks territory now. So now, but uh, as far as the uh, the advantage to the firefighters, uh, I'm not sure if the uh, the one uh, can correlate to an advantage to to coming here. And uh, but uh, what it does do is, at, for my part, on from the training division, uh, uh, being the ISO one, I have a uh, to maintain that ISO one rating. Uh, I have a schedule of training that I have to either develop or use for uh, a guide for uh, the staff here. So uh, we have uh, the tempo of our training may be a little more elevated than other departments. And obviously the benefits of having our own training facility, um, uh, Murfreesboro, through that ISO training that we maintain, you're going to get a lot of training here. Uh, There's not a lot of idle time. So this is one of those opportunities that you get uh, you're in a fast-growing city. It has an ISO rating of one, so you're getting something that would look good on your record, I would guess. Uh, and, and you're going to learn something every day. What about the pay? I'm sure nobody's interested in pay. Oh yeah, no, no, nobody's. Yeah. <laughs> They're just here for the fun. Yeah, no. Uh, city council recently uh, voted to, uh, you know, increase. Uh, uh, the the pay seven percent across the board, and that was for all employees. But um, but each position was elevated seven percent, so that brought our uh, our uh, starting firefighters up to uh, levels that are uh, co- comparable to those cities around us. So at at forty four thousand uh, coming in the door, um, so uh, you know yeah, pay is pay is always a, a hot topic. Um, but what what kind of hours? I, I hear a lot of times people will work so many hours on so many hours off and that that's a perk in itself it is uh we are 24 48 and that's more of the traditional there's there's departments around us that have 48 48 or 48 96s and um but uh, i think i said that i did my math right there Adam, for yes, okay <laughs> so you're, but, uh, you're you're off 24 and on 48 or the opposite no that's correct we work 24 hours our, our shifts run from 7a to 7a and then we're off for 48 hours okay so. So uh, you got two days to be with the family. That's correct. Every every uh, every every other day. Every you work for twenty four hours, then you're two days off. That's correct. Okay, that gives you some extra time that a lot of families don't have. Uh, it does. You know, I was in the cruise for about twenty three years, so I was on that twenty uh, before going to admin. Now I'm on eight days, so uh, I miss my twenty four forty eight. So there are some benefits to it. Uh, uh, you know, during the week, um, uh, if a firefighter wanted to hold down a second job, that certainly gives them the, the opportunity. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, and if they have hobbies like fishing, something like that, you know, it's obviously you can, uh, you know, take advantage of those during the week when um, the rest of the world's at work. So, Now, what about uh, opportunities 
in the area of uh, fire of, of rescue with paramedics and things of that sort are you double trained to be a firefighter and a paramedic or are those two different areas yes sir part of our job description our firefighter one uh, job description is that uh, you be an advanced EMT so we it takes uh, once we hire a person it takes about three to four years to meet that job description and and that's uh, you know all the fire search that we require them to have and that advanced EMT training now we have uh, uh, paramedics as well in the department uh, but um, yeah as far as being dual trained yes I think uh, about 80 percent of our calls are med- medical in nature and if you're motivated by money, uh, do you get uh, increases in salary as you increase your uh, abilities? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, you know, first, uh, when they're firefighters, if they when they learn to drive apparatus and they are certified to operate apparatus, they get bumps in pay. Uh, when they earn that advanced EMT and EMT, they get uh, you know step maybe two steps in pay and paramedic. Uh, is uh, is a uh, definite step up in pay. So uh, yeah, they pay for incentives for uh, uh, for that advanced education. We have about 30 seconds left in our broadcast. Is there anything that we have left out that uh, we need to be sure and touch on today? Well, if anybody wants to know about getting hired on with Murfreesboro Fire, they can call me at 615-893-1422. I field calls and, and texts and emails every week about uh, what's the best way to get on with Murfreesboro Fire. Okay, and what is that number once again? It's 615-893-1422. That's our fire administration office. Okay, just call that number, and your age has to be what is there? Well, just a minimum age of 18 years old. Very good, and they are hiring now. They're looking well, for- we're, uh, we're getting ready to post uh, for certified firefighter. We will not renew our uh, um, recruit list till this fall, but, uh, but they can always go to the City of Murfreesboro website, fill out a job interest card, and when that job posts, they will receive uh, a notice. Our guest this morning, Brian Lowe and Adam Brown from Murfreesboro Fire and Rescue. Thank you for joining us. Hey, have a good day. See you tomorrow.